Geek Shock. Geek Shock. We've all got the giggles, giggling such a lot. We're giggling, giggling, giggle pots. We've all got the giggles, it's really hard to stop. It's fun to giggle like a giggly pot. So, coming from the guy that ate, what, what was it, three or four plates? Mongolian plates? Three. And you're complaining about tight shirts? Think you did it to yourself, sir? Yeah. I'm getting to that point too. I think all, all, all no, you know what? Our clothes are shrinking. That's what it is. Cause yeah. I'm sure. Same. <laughs> Look, Matt, uh, the Funko contest is enough. We don't need a tight T-shirt <laughs> contest either. Oh, I don't know. I think uh, it might be something. Hey, I'm we wearing a, a very nice button down, so I already got you beat. It's a actually my pa- butt's down too. Yeah. It's a Patreon reward. Uh, once you uh, <laughs> what t- once once people pay enough t-shirt? money, you can both you know uh, increasingly smaller shirts on you guys. No, we'll get eventually get into uh, baby shirts. No, I'm a little creeped out by that. I think is that's your fantasy for that. Don't, that's don't, his Patreon. Don't try to you know. <laughs> it's a contest, guys. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and wear this paddle. Whoa. Where? On your feet. That's where you wear paddles. Oh. What's with all these fidgets? I don't get this thing. This. I don't know, things? but they were selling a lot of them at the. Uh, uh, level Up Expo. And then mm. somebody got one stuck in his butt, and yeah. they went viral. Apparently, they're not for internal use. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know this? Certainly. Personal, just, uh, just a thing to spin. Keep your your fingers busy. Right. Right. Did you see the, yeah. the picture of the old school fidget? It was a ruler stuck on the end of a pencil. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yes. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. Remember just when the myself pens- occupied in school. Oh, boy. What I would do is I had a stapler, so I just unload the staplers in my hand, like you know how you click them shut, and they just have a bunch of staples. And my friend was sitting behind me. I get a whole handful and just go whoop over my head, and then I hear two seconds later, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm here today, guys. Mm-hmm. Stay in school. You kicked out of Canada. <laughs> uh, that's salt and battery in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on the run. See, that's all I'm here. Yeah. Grand Steph's Grand uh, I'm, I'm Arsene. I told you. Did you say <laughs> Grand, Grand Steph? Told you. Wow. Yeah, you convinced me, Andy. I was so skeptical. And now <laughs> you brought me around. Yep. So what's next? Spilly Spilly? Mm, we'll see. Spilly, I don't spilly. know. He's got a jar of some stuff right in front of him. Yes. It'd be awful if that spilled right there. Don't even. Renee. Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 389. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact Jack Dandy. Maple Leaf Map. And we're to talk week in geek. Oh, we actually have somebody sitting in right here. Hi, Renee. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's someone here? Yeah. We have, we have an audience of one today. Woohoo. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Two things. I watched Heavy Metal, the, the- original. Nice. Oh wow! The movie, animated yep, movie, yep. and Heavy Metal 2000 brought back some memories. Mm. I didn't know there was a sequel. Yeah, it's not as good, but it's okay. Hey, Michael Ironside's in it, so oh, okay. it's good. He uh, voices the uh, protagonist. I'm sorry, antagonist. I remember <laughs> the, the the first Heavy Metal. Uh, uh, buddy and I, uh, we were up late one night watching TV, like. You know, parents had already gone to bed. We're just watching TV, and that came on. And it was a risque. And it was like the most cool and bizarre thing we had ever seen. And it was like the first time you ever saw animated nudity. You're just like, wait, what? What just happened here? First time you saw it, male and female (laughs) nudity. Not just that though, the music. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well yeah. You had uh, Sammy Hagar. You had Don Felder, uh, formerly of the Eagles, doing the. 
the op- the theme song of heavy metal. Um, open arms, I believe. Open arms. Yeah. Is, uh, was that was that the first place it was played, or was it? I don't know if it was the first. That would have place. been. That would have been before. Yeah. Well, it came out in eighty one. Or yeah. original, whatever the fuck it was on. What the hell else was it in? I can barely. It was remember a journey song, song, but I mean, was it yeah. on an album before it was on that? Is question. Oh, uh, I believe so. I think so. I don't think there was all that much. Well, there was some, like like the theme song, but otherwise, I don't mm-hmm. think there was a whole lot of original rock mm-hmm. on there. You know, the, um, the swearing too. That was like the right. one things there. It's like it's like, did that character just say fuck? Oh my god. <laughs> I think Harold Ramis and John Candy are voices in uh-huh. that. No, John yeah. Candy is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Harold Ramis is in the um, uh, the with the one the plutonium Nyborg man with the with the stoner aliens. Oh, okay. All oh, the two of them, yeah. 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 The trucker aliens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Captain Stern is in that too. Yes. Oh, that's one. That's... I've got an angle. <laughs> I can't remember a single thing about this movie. You need to watch that again. Oh, it is yeah, good. I should. I, I I bought it when it had that very loud VHS release in the 90s. Mm. It was like, finally, on home video. Yeah. Uh, for the first time, heavy metal. And I, I bought it. And mm. I watched it once, I guess. And none of it stuck. And it's got that cover that you want to paint on the side of a van <laughs> yes definitely the first actual nerd tattoo i saw because you know tattoos were relatively tattoos have been a thing that's happened since i've been an adult um i mean people were wearing tattoos. a lot of things have happened since yes. you're an adult. Pe- people me, had tattoos tattoos been around I for like six thousand years i was gonna say people so, had tattoos don't you remember when you were they found the it on the ice man but <laughs> ice man had tattoos but tattoos were for like biker chicks and bikers when i was a kid and sailors <laughs> And now, like everyone in Vegas, it's like everyone has them. So you're like, as a kid, well, I'm not it's in true. a biker gang, right? Nor am I in the U.S. Navy, right? Hmm. Nope. So I don't have any, except for the well, yeah. Except for the, I have one, I have one little blue dot on my hand where I stabbed myself with an airbrush needle by accident. <laughs> how, <laughs> accidental tattoo? How long? I have an accidental that. tattoo. Only that you. needs to be the name of your <laughs> tattoo parlor, Andy. Accidental tattoo. And how long ago was that, Andy? That was probably twenty years ago, and it's still there. Wow. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not going to get rid of those yep. without laser. But yeah. there was a there was a, a girl I saw probably twenty years ago. Who had the uh, Tarna tattoo on the back of her neck? And I was like, that's so cool. Oh, yes. Yes. I love that you have a single dot tattoo. Yes. <laughs> in so, the art and world, it's so that, totally that's Andy. code for something. Mm. Yeah. Single, Show that dot and they know stuff yeah. about you. Like, single oh, cobalt blue dot. He, he killed another artist. Mm. He's cobalt, got the cobalt blue. <laughs> See, right there. It's a minimalist piece. I can get behind that. Well,. You, you could, but people would see you. Yeah, it's so small. It's so and he's bio. He's a bad boy. Right. <laughs> I'm a criminal. Oh, which I've, I've actually meant to come out of the closet about my criminal past. Oh, okay, okay. Because because okay. coming out of the closet about your criminal past. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, in another you know eight I mean. or nine months, that actually may be very true. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, so I ran into one of the uh, shock monkeys at uh, at uh, Bucket Show, and they said, "Oh, well, you should start telling people when you're busking on the strip." And I'm like, "Yeah, I should do that." And then I went to do it one day. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, because, because I'm I am not allowed legally to be on the strip at the moment. <clears throat> to be on the strip? On the strip? At all? Not all. Really? Yes. You, Only been, you got eighty six from the whole fucking road. Right. Eighty six from the strip. <laughs> yep. He shouldn't have spilled that soda yeah. on the cop. <laughs> um, I got ticketed this spring. 
Uh, they were actually trying to get rid of all the buskers on the strip. And so I, I got ticketed for doing art. I, I, I'm a literal art criminal. I love, uh, the actual, I love the actual ticket was um, improper storage materials, which was a table I was because drawing on. Because there's nothing else they could possibly right. put on you. Well, and I felt bad about that, except one of the topless showgirls got the same ticket because <laughs> her, her purse was on the sidewalk. Oh. Yeah, they were stretching. <laughs> yeah, they were. And where'd you put your purse? Yeah. I, I, it's hanging on the back of my chair, my adventure satchel, oh, right. as always. Um, the chair was fine. The chair was a problem. His adventure problem. satchel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, they went to court, and uh, we had a lawyer deal with it, and uh, that was what came out of it. Is they're not going to find me this time, but uh, if I get caught doing anything on the strip in 90 days... You were like, I'm in serious so trouble. the court is like, all rise, and you're like, I wasn't what there. is this? I wasn't what there. What is this? You can't handle the truth, you son of a bitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the part where Andy was like, you're out of order, he's out of order, you're all out of order. Right. So now we have uh, some sort of agreement that I'm not even sure what the deal is, but we're busking in front of Bally's legally. 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 You fuck with the wrong artist. But I make sure I'm always the artist as far back away from the strip as possible, because I'm not sure what they're calling the boundary of the strip. I see. So you're in, in the uh, the outdoor <laughs> yeah. shopping area. Traffic. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's, yeah, it's because it's a whole legal mire <laughs> right. of uh, yeah. the fact that technically when you're on the sidewalks, you're on the casino's property because right. they made the deals with them to expand the roadway. We, we thought we were in the clear because the ACLU um, uh, went to court for the, uh, the, the smutters, the guys that hand out the, the right. cards for the strippers. The smutters. Yeah. Um, that's smutters what, that's jelly. What, that's what they call them. Um, so the ACLU cleared that as a First Amendment thing. So all the buskers have been pretty sure that we cover where we fall under the First Amendment, and we probably do. It probably will come to court eventually. There's actually another character artist out there that we're trying to get arrested because um, he's. Uh, what, what, you're, you're trying to get him arrested? On your own. He, he wants to. Oh, he, um, oh, I see. He's he's a martyr for the cause because he is uh, um, has something you know he's some, something wrong with his body, so he's in a wheelchair and draws characters with his mouth. It's like, oh, bring that to court. Come on, please bring that to court. I see what you're saying. <clears throat> sure. So, yeah, he's, he's ready for it. I, I finally know somebody that was 86 from the whole strip. The strip. I, I know you get 86 from certain properties, but <laughs> yeah. that's, yeah. that's it's new. A, it's actually a good thing that mouth drawer exists because you know, Andy, he'll do anything for this thing. He's <laughs> going to break Frankie's legs mm. and just put her out there with like a pack of pencils <laughs> And some, you know, uh, landscape you, honestly, paper. See, and I didn't know about that. that artist when I got the ticket. I just knew I got the thing for improper storage materials. And my first thought was, if we get some wheelchairs and set the chairs up on the table. But apparently, uh, yeah. So, so somebody's out there <laughs> already, already doing one it. Up and yeah. on that one. All right. You joke about that, but he'll like trip on something when he gets home and he will actually break her legs, <laughs> Kirsten. And then you're going to feel really bad about having said that. That's the not the way Dude, my clutchiness I'm, works. I'm going to look at Frankie and look at Andy and go, you both know it was just a matter of time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've told this before, but I was walking through uh, the... Uh, MGM theme park one time when Duncan was an infant. Yeah, he told me. And I had the, the the baby Bjorn, the little satchel of baby. And I was walking right next to my buddy Dave, and I my foot went out from under me, and I went plunged head for, first towards the cement, and I did a Kirk Tuck shoulder roll and rolled up without Duncan even knowing anything happened. That's and my, amazing. And Dave just thought I'd gone insane. What the hell are you doing? I'm like, I swear to God, it has tripped. <laughs> <laughs> But but I I pulled out of it without hurting anybody. Save it for the cameras, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
you do that now, you'd be like, back pain, knee pain. Yeah. Oh, crap. So I, I climbed up on top of my car this weekend to take a photograph, and it's like, yep, those are all my stomach muscles that are mad at me now. <laughs> <laughs> those are muscles that haven't been used in a long time. Yes, it's quite obvious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the hey, pad, I'm there, that's, too. That's the padding there. That's the, <laughs> that's I'm there, say. too. We're all there. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Matt is taking shots tonight. Yeah. 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 Well, I took some great pictures of myself this weekend, all of which I can see my fat belly, and I'm like, hmm, those pictures would be better without my fat belly. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, right. what else you do this week? Well, I got to watch... Two premieres of two shows I've been waiting a long time for. Oh, please. Uh, the first one I've been waiting 25 years for, and that was uh, the Twin Peaks revival on uh, Showtime. It is back. It, was a, it is back. It was a two-hour premiere, and I still don't know what the fuck is going on, but it delightfully uh, took me back to 1990-91. So, yeah. A lot of the same characters? Yeah. A lot of the same characters. Uh, there's even... Um, the uh, the woman that played the log lady in the original series has a bit in um, the first two episodes, which they screened both episodes back to back for the premiere weekend. And sadly, she passed away like right after uh, she did that. She was sick prior to, but they were able to get some scenes filmed with her prior nice. to her passing. So that's that's cool that they were able to bring one more character in from the original series, and then. Uh, <laughs> And then they tributed the um, uh, the first two episodes to her and uh, the guy that played Bob in the original series who passed away like he passed away like two years after the finale of the original series. So, all right, you uh, got to call it something else because I hear original series and I go right to Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> the original Twin Peaks run, the first run, I guess. There you go. Since this is supposed to be a continuation the, of the pre-Firewalk with me, yeah, Twin Peaks, Twin, uh, Pe- Twin Peaks OG. So yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting. Um, that's one you really have to turn off all noisemakers in the house to hear because the sound design is so subtle that like here in our condo, when the AC kicks on, you have to crank up the the volume. That was not working. I literally had to turn the AC off at one point because like his use. Uh, Lynch's use of sound, it's so quiet. So, like, you'd have very subtle music in the background and, like, background characters with just really quiet dialogue and then foreground characters that aren't speaking, you know, robustly. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, they'll get a little bit louder, a little bit louder, et cetera. So, I mean... Have you tried watching with captions? That's the problem. Watching with the captions doesn't work because you miss all those subtleties. Some some shows I've noticed will have the sound effects listed in the captions. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, know, mariachi music. Because I did try that. I tried that for about the first (laughs) half hour and then I ended up rewinding it and then watching it without the captions. Because like one of them, it said crickets chirping and then it said birds tweeting. And I'm like... No, that's really not what what that those sounds were because he <laughs> even the closed captioner is like I don't know what's going uh, on. I'm going to guess it's a bird, uh, but Maybe anyway, a frog, something like that. It looks like the it looks like the new series is going to be pretty cool. cool. It's going to be Lynchian. And then the other one was uh, Twelve Monkeys the oh, series yes. returned ah. on Sci-Fi, and it was brilliant what they did. Uh, Torg and I talked a little bit about it uh, yesterday, but basically they took. The entire ten episode season and aired it across three days on Sci Fi. Fun. So, the full season, you know, 
is there. And the reason it's brilliant is because it's kind of a way for sci-fi to compete with the binge-watching nature of Netflix, where mm-hmm. they put the whole season of you know whatever uh, series it is that they're premiering out there for you to watch. So I'm only like four episodes in out of ten, but still, that's really damned impressive. And I like where they're going with the series. They're continuing that feel from the first two seasons. So, so that's season that's Harry three. Metalis making it happen. Yeah. Season three, 12 Monkeys, still holding up. So that's all that's holding up to it's the similar quality of the movie? I mean, oh, yeah. It, okay. Cool. Would you put it on par, superior, or less than than the movie? I have to say I think superior to the movie because wow. it goes more in depth. Now, I hate to you know knock the movie because it was a brilliant piece of cinema from its time, but with the series, they're able to go more in depth with the Cole character. They're going more in depth with... And, they, and they've also kind of changed it a little bit. They, they took the premise of the original with the you know this viral outbreak that's killing off most of humanity and then you know in the future they send uh the cole character back to try to stop this outbreak you know to, to learn as much as he can about how and where the outbreak started and why and then you know now you've got these army of the 12 monkeys that you're getting in that they never really kind of explained in the movie but now it's like all this added depth to this storyline that that you're getting so so yeah that's that's what in that respect that's why i say that's it's, what 12 it's hours versus two character. hours can do yeah because mm-hmm. i mean terry gilliam is is a brilliant filmmaker and yeah. you know very you know I mean, I mean he and lynch have their own specific styles and they're not conventional styles by any means they're very bizarre so if you like either of those guys you'll you'll get their material that's and that that was one complaint i was seeing with twin peaks is that a lot of people are like this is just weird. It's just bizarre. I'm like, well, if if you haven't seen the beginning of the ser- you know, the beginning of the series in the 90s, you're not going to get going forward. You just aren't. So picking it up from mm-hmm. from scratch without at least seeing the movie. The movie helps explain a little bit. Fire T- Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me will still help bridge that gap. And sure, then, but that's oh man, that's such a dark movie. I, I think yeah. it's all on Netflix now too, if I remember. Yeah, right. I believe it's all yeah. on Netflix. Which yeah, I, I need to me? watch. I have no the the series. Oh, Twin it? Peaks? So. Yeah. Which I haven't seen. I actually when that was on, I did not have a TV. Ah. So the first season God, is just a amazing. criminal all across I know. The, the first season is amazing. The second tends to meander. I was at a party at some point while it was on and there was one scene, and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to watch this whole thing. But I got to find it. But this is before you could binge watch or go back and find original. Right. But there was a scene where there's, he's leaning over a hospital bed talking to somebody, and somebody's trying to unfold a chair behind him. And he's like, the, guy, the chair thing is getting louder and more obnoxious. And finally he stops in the middle of his interrogation, the person in the hospital bed, and slowly, patiently explains how to unfold the chair. I may, be, I may be getting the details shuffled around. But well, that's, no, that's, 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 right. that's Lynch. I mean, yeah. Lynch yeah. Lynch is a master of using the full frame. Like, yep. you know, yeah, the foreground characters are having a conversation. Well, that's kind of what I was referring to with the sound design earlier. It's like you'll have a character having a conversation in the background while the foreground character is talking, but the conversation in the background is easily as important as the conversation in the foreground. Right. So you might have to rewind the scene a couple of times yep. to get all the layers that he puts in there. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, Gilliam's like that too. You know, he, you know, just the odd framing and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the playing with the depth of field. So right. with Gilliam, sometimes, some, I mean, often when you see something off frame, mm-hmm. you're like waiting for the monster to pop out of yeah. an empty space. Doesn't always happen in a Gilliam thing. 
And if I remember correctly, Gilliam used to like to use um, the, the uh, I think it's called offset depth of field, where typically you want the thing in the foreground to be in focus, mm-hmm. and he would have the the thing in the background in focus, and right. then the, you have the soft focus on the foreground, yep. and you're just like, um, what's going on here? It's, uh, so yeah, it's and it's and it's kind of a psychological play that gets you, takes you out of your comfort zones. So you're t- you're tending to pay a little more attention. Yep. So, so you get when you have a cartoonist doing uh, movies. Yeah. <laughs> what else to do, guys? Uh, we dusted off the D and D game, the th- me and the three of us, and dusted off our uh, you, Matt, D- and Kirsten. Yeah. Which I I I, I let Kirsten talk about because it's only really the only thing I've done geeky this week is that. Other than that, I've been busy. We didn't really go far, but we mm. we got started again. And got rolling again after a, a, a long hiatus. We learned some important background stuff. We learned some actual stuff this time. We know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, maybe, maybe I've started healing a wounded world. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. You know. And surprisingly, <laughs> uh, Lewis's character survived. Amazing. Well, remind, remind us what ca- character that Lewis is. Chaotic, evil, half-orc, barbarian, okay. who uh, is so dumb... Andy skillfully manipulates him to doing good things. My, my dwarf thief, but yeah, gets him to, yeah. But he's still enough of a of a loose cannon that the others talk about maybe doing something about him. I like that dichotomy so much. I would read a novel of those two characters. So, so, <laughs> so you're saying he's kind of Rocket Raccoon, little Rocket Raccoon, a little bit, a little, except very, Rocket very is manipulative. very very smart. Yeah, and right. Mad Dog is not smart. <laughs> Yeah, that's his all. name, Mad Dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you said he's manipulative. I thought you were no, 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 no. manipulated. Manipulated. Oh. By yeah, Andy. but you said Andy's manipulating. So, right. Yeah. So you're saying so Andy's, Andy's the raccoon. More rocket. Oh. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not as crazy as Roz Rocket. No. Yeah. I do so. things like, hey, boss, uh, you you wanted to guard the door while we went inside here, right? Yeah, I'm gonna rest. Yeah, that's what I need to do. <clears throat> so, but yeah, we're. It did some uh, did some creative interaction with Matt and uh, and started unfolding a story because I'm like, all right, we got to get off of this world. They got to get to a gate, and I was thinking eh, like, a stargate. Put, put the gate maybe <laughs> in a holy place, maybe deep in the desert because they're on an Athis-like world. TSR's dark sun. Wait, okay. wait. You're saying you hadn't didn't have that sorted out? We cloud warmed ourselves. You cloud God it. damn it, we cloud I'm, I'm ourselves I'm sitting again. there, and they met the Dune Elves, and the Elves are like, you need to find the gate. We will help you in return for blah, blah, blah. And, and Matt was actually the key to the, 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 the blah, blah, blah. But then I'm thinking... Matt right, is always the key to the I, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sort of like, well, where the hell am I going to have him go? And Matt's like, the gate better not be in the city. Don't tell me it's in the city. And I'm like... It's in the city. <laughs> and he's like, God damn it. And so I'm like, yes, you have to go to the catacombs of the city, and the gate is there. And he's like, how do we get to the catacombs? Better not be through sewers. Don't tell me it's sewers. It's the sewers. Oh, God, I hate the sewers. Yeah. So Matt basically wrote the whole next uh, segment of the adventure. I just have to fill out the details. So it's a little oh, collaborative. Uh, you better there. hope Paulette never listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> I already got beat already. Don't you remember? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's not gonna be the the meadow with all the kittens. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, I'm still continuing my journey of the dark tower. 
still on Wizards and Glass, although I'm almost finished with it, which means I have 100 pages left of a 1,000-page book. Mm. Uh, but this has turned out to be my favorite of the books so far. You consume books like Skynet or something. <laughs> like What? <laughs> what? He, I know like, plenty of people read faster than I agree. Holy. But... Uh, I, it's it's all flashback for the most part, and it's a western. Uh, the whole Gilead story of the gunslingers, and I, up till now, the gunslinger character was just kind of a generic character. Yule Brenner, like like for three three books, a generic character, but this book was just about fleshing out that character, and now I'm so on board to continue once this is done, hmm. although. That's probably going to be halted. I'll have to take a break because we are taking nominations for ah. the book club book of June. So there's already quite a few out there. But if you want to nominate, go to the Geek Shock uh, book club page uh, and uh, nominate. So I think everyone at Geek Shock should start reading the Horus Heresy. It's a great, great saga. Nominate. <laughs> start. Start. <laughs> start. Never finish. Wow. Nominate. Wow. That's a lot of books. It's that just the views of the same event from different eyes is so enriching. <laughs> Welcome to the Geek Shock Horus Heresy Club. <laughs> Fuck. With all we read. It's Horace Heresy which for the rest just, of our lives. Which is just Matt bitching about Horace Heresy. <laughs> Nobody's reading this with me. What the hell? <clears throat> Come on, the next one's by Dan Abnett. You know it's going to be good. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can get into this. And then the other guy, McNeil. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two of them. Holden McNeil? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just watched freaking Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back last yeah. night. There's a lot of news. And we also are going to get to some red light, green light today because those have been piling up like crazy Mm -hmm. and got quite a few emails, but I'm only going to take time for one. And I want to do this one because it's kind of response to what we were talking to talking about last week. Mm -hmm. All right. So here we are. Hey, guys, Canadian shock monkey here. I have to say first that the talk of, hey, I could save money if I buy it on Amazon. Then the example of getting something about $15 cheaper on Amazon really hit home to me. I'm a business owner. I own a small nerd-slash-geek store in northern Ontario. And I can tell you guys with 100% certainty, I have heard this before. I understand your point. And yes, sometimes it's true, but there's something to be said about... I've got to stop. Are you... All right. Oh, my God. It has been exactly zero days since Andy spilled something. <laughs> so just just to bring everybody in, Andy reaches across. We have a, a plethora of goodies that my girlfriend put together for us. And I, I missed it because I was reading. He, he, picked, he picked up, up an, an Oreo. Oreo. And it split in half. So half of the Oreo <laughs> fell and hit the ground while the, the other stayed in his hand. It's an effective Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> Although it did land cookie side down. That's good. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah the dry side. That, yeah. <laughs> that was perfect. All right, Andy. No more. I haven't been spilling. Mm. <laughs> We need to have that sign there. Someone get anyone work in a factory? We could use zero that. days, safety <laughs> yeah. days. Uh, going back to the email, I understand your point, and yes, sometimes it's true, uh, but there is something to be said about seeing the product, feeling the product, and then if you do want it, buying the product, and then now it's yours. If you buy something on Amazon, you need to wait for shipping, and there's a possibility, especially in Canada, of there being additional taxes at the border. 
The idea of seeing the product in the store didn't happen by accident. It didn't just appear in the store. It took us a full year of doing research to find our suppliers. We then have some out of Japan that we can get officially licensed products that aren't even available in North America. They then see the product in our store, something they never thought even existed, and then they buy it on Amazon. <laughs> we do our best to get the prices as close as we can to places like Amazon, but I do believe that the amount of work we put into getting these products, especially how it's just me and my fiance, has got to be worth something. We're not running to the store because we think we can make millions. We open the store because we're huge geeks and want to make our town a much geekier place. Now, as for Tim Hortons, yes, there is such a thing as a beaver tail. Aha! Ah! It is popular in Ottawa, and it's like a funnel cake. But the batter gets deep-fried flat like a beaver's tail, and then you top it with anything you want. Nutella and bananas topped with icing sugar is my favorite. And yes, Tim Hortons is a staple in Canada. It is named after Tim Horton, the famous hockey player. Oh! And the donut holes are called Tim Bits. Uh, my problem has always been, why do you name something Tim Bits after someone who died in a car accident? Oh, oh! That Canadian humor. Those guys are a laugh. What's ride. dark, eh? Uh, little side note: um, in Wayne's World, when they go to Stan Mitka's Donuts, that whole thing was inspired by um, Mike Myers is Canadian, and that was his kind of homage to Tim Hortons. Okay. So I didn't know if anybody knew that. I but call that's... bullshit on these beaver tails. I've never ever <laughs> seen them. Well, I was going to say, the way he's describing it, the picture that m my friend Marty put up makes more sense. And I still haven't had a chance to text him and ask him about it. So, Anyways, love the show. Mo. P.S. Thank you to all the shock monkeys who like our Facebook. Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. Are you scratching your back with the fucking morning star? Really? No, yes. it's really. It's, it's, a, it's a mace. <laughs> Matt, you're actually incur He has been doing that for five minutes, waiting for someone to comment. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut because I know better. But you had to fucking take the bait. Oh, I'll take I'll take the bait, Andy. Are you playing with the mace, Andy? <laughs> really? The funny part is that encourages I him. I didn't plan that one. I really yeah. was. I really didn't have to get you no, back. That's why you looked at me with that no. fucking look you give. Actually, you were at, like, "Ask me about this." I looked Ask at Renee about first. This. Like, Come on. Should I ask Renee to scratch my back? No, that's just rude in front of people. No. So I what? Would that would have been a touching moment that we all would have pounced on, but <laughs> that, would, like, that would have been different from this how. <laughs> were you just trying to find the least embarrassing thing to get called out on? No, that's like, not Andy. Pretty much, hmm. yeah. yeah. I can either the scratch my back with Oreo the on the floor. <laughs> or I could have my girlfriend scratch my back. Which or, one am I going to get less grief for? Or I can I grab another the Oreo. Mace. <laughs> Anyways, love the show, Mo. Uh, P.S. Thank you to all the shock monkeys who liked our Facebook page. Uh, Kirsten did too. We are now working on a website. Such an awesome community. Uh, this is uh, Mo owns a Mojo Verse in Sudbury, Ontario. Ah, the Mojo Verse. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I that like was, that. That I was like actually that. that looked pretty cool. Um, one, it's funny. Matt's comment is hilarious. You always get people who will climb up your ass when you. Accuse an, you, when you portray another country as a monoculture. Monoculture meaning the culture is uniform. Right. Everybody there does the same thing, blah, blah, blah. But I love it when natives of said culture proclaim monoculture. So it's like beaver tail. That bullshit. I've never seen that before. <laughs> and it's like, you know, 
you've got a whole country, right? I mean, it 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 would just it'd be I don't know it'd be like voodoo donuts. Who does that? Deep right? dish pizza. What? The, there's no deep dish pizza in America. <laughs> but the thing is, he's from the same area as me. That's why I was. Subway's not far away from where I grew up. Really? I thought. Oh, this wasn't. Uh, this wasn't uh, Ottawa, where they only have government. Ontario. He said Ontario. Oh, that place. Sudbury, Ontario. Yeah, that is a monoculture. You're right, man. <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It actually, it's really funny because he'll apologize. The way to you. he describes it, it sounds actually, it sounds like a waffles and ice cream variation type mm-hmm. thing. Sounds like something none of us need, but all of us want. Yes. 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 Oh my it, God, Andy. That's Talk- a new Geek Shock shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about his shopping and then the Amazon thing there, uh, I think if they remember, this stems out of my my visit to Level Up Expo and uh, seeing all the different vendors. And mm-hmm. you know, vendors have historically had pretty high prices. I'm not gonna lie, but the beauty of back in the day is you could negotiate them down. And a lot of times they were the only way that you had access right, to some of say, these that's, collectibles. That's, that's what vendors were made. They're, they have stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else. And it's all yeah. in one place. Yeah. And, and now you can't even negotiate with them. Like, nope, yeah, that's, that's the that, price. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, it used to be, especially like on the last days, they didn't want to pack that stuff up and ship right. it to their next place. So they'd have a little bit of wiggle room because sometimes they'd mark it up two, three hundred percent because that would give them a little bit of wiggle room on, you know, negotiating on that final day. Well, now it's been my experience going to these various conventions that they do not come down in price and they won't negotiate with you. So, you know, there's still maybe one or two that will, but that's, you know, I think that was kind of why I had spoken about, you know, buying it on Amazon because I do still purchase stuff from my local comic book store at sometimes three times the price that I could get it for well, on Amazon well, because I'm wanting to three support. Three times the price. Local yeah. is getting fucked anyway because yeah. Amazon, I mean, Jesus, a lot of is times, it like this the first year they're posting a profit? Yeah. They're deliberately underselling. It's like yes. when Walmart yeah. opens up its superstore and they spend a couple years driving out the local business by underselling and then when the local business is gone, there's a price correction and everything goes back up in mm. price. Yep. Maybe right. even gets worse. And whatever savings so. you got from going to Walmart is destroyed, and you have no other place to go. What we're saying is buy nerd and buy local. There you go. If you can. Remember, Andy, on uh, Facebook, I, I actually had to get some special light bulbs. Um, and uh, I said, well, I posted, hey, uh, friends, I found the bulbs on Amazon for... Such and such a price, but there's a local bulb place that's a little more expensive. What do you think? Should I go local or just go the online retailer? And our Andy and Heinz uh, mutual crazy anarcho-capitalist libertarian friend <laughs> just came in with, Fuck those. That's right. Fuck the online retailers. Yeah, fuck those guys. They don't. Yeah, fuck. You know, and it was just. Which was all Kirsten needed to go. Oh, yeah, buy local. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, he was just, uh, it was really funny. Sometimes you get torn between those two worlds, wanting to buy local, wanting to buy. Some people live in places from, where they're yeah. never going to find the right nerd right. stuff. But That's true. If if have, I still live have, in my small town in Indiana, Amazon would be my only outlet. But if, if, right? you have, if you have a nerd store, and we have several in this town, yes. use them. And, you know, sometimes I'm not going to pay $300 for a collectible that I know that I can get for 75 Right. I'm just, that's, 
Yeah. You know, yeah, well, you, you there's, were... there's, 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 there's reasonable profit margins and then there's gouging. And mm-hmm. I, I, and that's what I've been experiencing with like a lot of the conventions is they're just at the gouging level. And now. Ralph knows us and he'll save the stuff he knows we want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you work hard for your money. See, I got burned on the Galactus from ToyCon. Right. So you better treat him right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kick myself because I should have checked Amazon right then and there. I had my smartphone in my hand, but I'm like, hey, Paul, is this a good buy? And he's like, yeah, man, this is a good buy. So I'm like, okay, pick you're it up. You're still burning from that. Yeah, it pissed so me because I went on Amazon like so you're two not weeks mad later. at Amazon. You're not mad at the retailer. You're mad at Paul. No, I'm mad at the retailer. <laughs> yeah. well, he didn't, he didn't oh, no, see retailer, Paul collecting his 10% after yeah. he walked oh, and off. And you know what? That's another thing. Is a lot of these vendors that are going to conventions, they have online stores on Amazon mm-hmm. now, too. So... Sometimes you'll go and then you'll be looking for something specific. Oh, what are you looking for? It's like, oh, here's my online shop. Go in there. I probably have it there. Like, but you don't have it here. Oh no no, it's it's you know it's probably back know. in my warehouse. It's like oh. I work for my money, so I, I I want the best deal possible. So I'm I support online business, but I mean, to a point. Like I don't want to run every everyone out of town, but it's, I mean, it's all it's finding that right balance, you know, sure. supporting local and then also not allowing yourself to get overcharged too much a little bit's okay too much that's where you draw the line my problem is when i go to the local comic shop i never just get what i came in for oh no <laughs> i don't think anybody does that's I, I how they get say, you yeah i cannot say no to that kind of temptation I go in for one thing i walk out with like three omnibuses and you know freaking <laughs> you know five trades that i had no you know plans on getting look that's i found the comic book story of tetris that's where part that's True where story. poverty works and in a my couple favor. of collectible <clears throat> figures all right gentlemen let's get some news so we can get to some green light mm. no, news no, you no, don't no. give a shit about ah! all right fine it's the same time every time andy sometimes he skips by sometimes it doesn't any of that that's a good point that's a fine point. Just because of that, now he's no, going to do not. like a whole episode of news you don't give a shit about. You're <laughs> always Thank doing you, Andy. Why, why would you cloudworm us like that? <laughs> Beware the cloudworm. News you don't give a shit about. Universal Pictures' reboot of its monster universe, kicking off with The Mummy next month, has been rebranded as The Dark Universe Franchise. Okay. That's the official name. Uh, next film in the monster franchise will be Bride of Frankenstein. It's to be held, helmed by Bill Condon, who's director of Beauty and the Beast, for a February 14th, 2019 release, Valentine's Day. Aww. Uh, David Cope, who uh, writer of Jurassic Park script, will write the script. Uh, while Universal had originally planned to release a new Dark Universe title on April 13th, 2018, this apparently will no longer be the case. Studio has also released a group shot confirming uh, Javier Bardem for the Frankenstein's monster. Assembled in the pick are Tom Cruise, that's the mummy's Nick Morton, uh, Russell Crowe as Dr. Henry Jekyll, Sophia Butella, the mummy, and Johnny Depp, the Invisible Man. Oh, that could be fun. So the dark universe moves forward, but the next movie won't be till 2019. Okay, that's what we don't, that's probably don't give a part of shit about, because otherwise that sounded like not, of all those... All the right now, everything having to do with its own cinematic movie universe until it's proven itself right, right. is going in news you don't give a shit about. I'm gonna get the the facts wrong in this, so I don't want to say it. But um, <laughs> there, go ahead. There was no. There's a meme out there about uh, um, the new Mummy franchise, and it's like I don't want to see the Mummy franchise. I want to see the camera face on Brendan Fraser watching them reboot the series. He's you know starring a guy who's older than him. 
or, or like two years younger than them. They're they're very close in age, apparently. Uh oh. Huh. I. Can see them going in the, the whole mo- this whole new mummy thing is definitely a different direction than that whole yeah. Brendan Fraser. It also that was like a, it's, that was an Indiana Jones spinoff when it was a mummy movie. And this looks like this is it. a uh, modern tale. It takes place in modern. Yeah, time. right. That yeah. Did, that it. If it's going to be Fraser, it might as well be his character, and then the timeline is fucked. So if you're going right. to put Fraser, but then do a different character, I can I can see suits right, right. hating that. Yeah. So it's uh, so I can see the new broom sweeps clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> new broom, Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, you don't give a shit about. Uh, with Resident Evil, the final chapter now hitting Blu-ray. Variety reports a reboot of the Resident Evil franchise. Like we couldn't see that coming. With six new films planned. What? <laughs> no word in which direction they'll take the rebooted franchise. Uh, franchise has been around for almost 15 years, easily one of the most successful video game to film adaptations. Across six films, the franchise accounted for $1.2 billion in the global box office. Now, here's where it gets a little more interesting. James Wan, uh, the guy that's directing Aquaman, uh, created Saw, the, directed The Conjuring, uh, will be producing the new look Resident Evil, working from a script but written by Greg Russo, who wrote the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, the new film will feature an all-new cast, so we've officially seen the last of Mia Djovic's oh, Alice. Oh, no more Lilu. So, yeah, no more Lilu. Multipath. Now, the studios really are stuck in franchise and reboot mode, aren't they? There's good monies in successful franchises. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a safe bet most of the time, so. And let's face it, the Resident Evil films, as they have been, except for sharing names of certain things... I have almost nothing to do with Resident Evil. Yeah. They're its own creature. So there's potential here for actually adapting some of that storyline. Yeah. The, quote, unquote, because they're kind of thin. Let's use some of the character names and concept designs, but... Yeah, using an umbrella. You know, that's... Yeah. The Umbrella Corporation. That, that sort nemesis of Nemesis looks like Nemesis in the, in the uh, games. Sure. Yeah. But again, the, the, those games are... Especially the earlier ones. They're not exactly heavy on plot. So, mm. But James Wan, I trust him with horror films. So there's potential for a good direction here. The first one was all right. Resident Evil. It had some nice mm. moments. But although, I don't think it's a good movie. Although I feel the need to point out that if you run a grid of lasers across somebody, it doesn't turn them into cubes. It turns them into square spaghetti. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure they get that note for, the, X for the reboot. Absolutely. Yeah. The suits have been waiting for that for Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Julianne. Julianne, exactly. <laughs> I remember that Who's scene. Julianne? And it was a dead giveaway. We should have known when that was her name. Right. <laughs> Weekend geek. Yeah, well. <laughs> oh, I remember that short. scene. I went to go see it in theaters, the, the first one. And uh, so you see him get graded. And a guy in the front row, he goes, yells, show the pieces. Show the pieces. I was like, wow. Really? <laughs> I remember that. They did, didn't they? Yeah. No. Don't they? No. Oh, they show them falling apart. That's right. And it's kind of blurry. Oh, yeah. Well, CG was still working its way up back then. Yeah. They could do oh, it now. Back yeah. then, not so much. Although Fifth Element, the CG stuff in that still holds up. That's impressive. Yeah. I haven't seen it since around the time it came out, so mm-hmm. I would assume it wouldn't, so that's impressive to hear. I think, I think a lot of it's practical, but there's some CG in there. Well, I think, I think I th- this is my complete hazarded guess. Uh, because of the palette, 
I mean, Fifth Element was very cartoony visually, and I'll bet you that contributed towards the CG uh, working. Okay, you know, yep. that's my opinion. It's like um, this week, Vernon bought for me uh, as a gift and brought it over, and we watched it. The Blu-ray uh, remastered um, Terminator. And there's actually a couple out there, and you have to be careful which one you go for. It's actually kind of funny. Hmm. He Vernon's Vernon. He found the right one. He brought it over. Crystal clear. Incredible imagery. But there's a lot there that doesn't work. They did a lot of rear screen projection. Hmm. That when it's that crystal clear on the small screen, just does not play. Still love the movie. Looks like Spencer Tracy sitting in front of a car that's being shaked by a couple uh, of stagehands. Kind of, sort of like yeah. that, except they're big old apocalyptic battles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, so, but I think the cartoony, na- I'd be willing to wager that the visual nature of Fifth Element probably goes a long way towards helping. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, yeah, a lot of times it does not hold up. It mm-hmm. just, it won't, it won't survive the passage of time. Remember Dick Tracy when that came out? Oh, wow. They oh, made yeah. a big deal about them sticking to the six-color palette with that. Yeah. 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 And that was like probably the first one where they really made a deal about the six-color palette. Was, I mean, that was it fun. Was, it was yeah. the brightest colored movie that mm-hmm. I can remember from back then. Yeah. I mean, no, it just, Although like, it was dark. Yeah. It was a dark film, but yeah. brightly colored dark mm-hmm. film. Yeah. 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 But now you have Guardians. Yeah. That's a primary color freaking movie. Until the Guardians came around, the most brightly colored film that I saw... Only the previews of Speed Racer. Oh. Yeah. Speaking that's true. of Dick Tracy, I still have my sneak preview t shirt oh, from wow. that, or the, the I Saw It First shirt. And it's still in pretty decent shape. You hold on to that. It's uh, going to be I've, worth two more I've retired it from being worn because <laughs> it's just. Now it's a wall hanging. Well, no, it just. I, no, it's, it's it was getting to the point where. If I washed it a few more times, it would start to deteriorate. Mm. So nice tight shirt. Uh, no, it wasn't tight. It just it was you know the screen printing was tight. starting to show its age. So <laughs> I just I retired it. Now that you mention it, you're the one who works in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's in the best shape here. <laughs> How does that work out? I run around in circles All about right. six miles a day. <laughs> I'll do it. And I pull around a big heavy cart. Mm-hmm. So you know. All right. That's, you know, fine dining for you. Now now I want a dining montage. Yeah. Oh, that would be brilliant. God, I'm going to steal that now. <laughs> if I ever make my restaurant movie that I've wanted to make for like 20 years. <laughs> restaurant, the movie, starring Jeff. <laughs> Some big and very sad news on the Justice League front. Uh, Zack Snyder announced on Monday that he is stepping away from post-production on Justice League following the death of his daughter. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Joss Whedon will oversee the Warner Brothers film completion, which will include the shooting of some additional scenes ahead of its November 2017 release. Uh, Snyder's uh, wife, Deborah Snyder, who serves as a producer on all of her husband's films, is also stepping down as their family begins the process of healing. The Snyders have uh, seven other children and stepchildren. Uh, Snyder's 20-year-old daughter, Autumn, from the previous marriage, committed suicide in March. Oh. The aspiring writer was attending uh, Sarah Lawrence College, and the tragedy was initially kept private, except for a close handful of family and friends. The Snyders took a two-week break from working on Justice League, with Zack intending to see the project through. 
He said, in my mind, I thought it was a cathartic thing to go back to work, just bury myself and see if that was the way through it. Mm -hmm. The demands of the job are pretty intense. It is all consuming. And in the last two months, I've come to the realization I've decided to take a step back from the movie to be with my family, be with my kids who really need me. They're having a hard time and I'm having a hard time. Uh, after screening a rough cut of Justice League for some fellow filmmakers, Snyder decided he wanted to shoot some additional scenes and recruited Whedon, who is working on Batgirl for Warner Brothers, to write them. Now, Whedon will direct those sequences as well. Warner Brothers Pictures president Toby Emmerich, who said that uh, what the Snyders are going through is unimaginable, ex uh, explained, The directing is minimal and had to adhere to a style and tone in the template that Zack set. We're not introducing any new characters. It's the same characters in some new scenes. It's handling a baton to Joss, but the course has already been set by Zack. I still believe that despite this tragedy, we'll still end up with a great movie. Uh, Snyder believes the same. Quote, I want the movie to be amazing, and I'm a fan. But all that pales pretty quickly to, in comparison. I know mm -hmm. the fans are going to be worried about the movie, but there are seven other kids that need me. Mm -hmm. In the end, it's just a movie. It's a great movie but it's just a movie, unquote. I'm glad. I hope they don't go away from that dark, gritty, because I like that. Zach's, I'm probably the minority. You are. That, but No, I like the dark, <laughs> gritty, too. I'm not saying it's not done have story problems and character problems, Yeah, I think, it but will, I like the tone. I think it will work with... I mean, it clearly would work with Batman. I think it'll work with Wonder Woman. I still don't think it works with Superman, but I think uh, some of the other characters, it could work. Uh, Flash... Flash is such a, you know overwhelmingly positive view of the world character. I mm -hmm. don't know if the dark gritty will work, but if they play him in properly, he could be that ray of hope in an otherwise overwhelmingly dark, you know, film. Yep. So it, it, it could work out properly. I so, think that uh, Aquaman will be bright and cheery. Sure. <laughs> this, is how, this is how evil our world is. I saw that story. I clicked on it. So I'm on Reddit. Oh, there's on your the problem. Comments. Click on the comments. And <laughs> oh, I'm like, yeah. well, that was your first mistake. Their very first comment was, oh, she must have seen Batman v Superman. And I was like, oh, wow. Jesus, wow. fuck. And then I went Good wow God. again when I saw all the upvotes. It's, don't feed the trolls, people. Like, don't yeah. feed the trolls. Man. Yeah, it's like Andy with the mace. Don't, right. don't do that. <laughs> um, that article actually does not point out also that Warners actually offered... The, uh, to show you what the 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 beyond politics uh, this is this situation is, they apparently actually offered to push the uh, release date. Wow! Uh, back to give Snyder some time. That's big. And he was just yeah, that's huge. And he was he. I read one article that said that they did that. So uh, he and he declined. I mean, it's um, it's a common coping mechanism. A lot of people do that. They throw themselves into work yeah. trying to mm -hmm. take their mind off of it. And the problem is that all it just does is delay the inevitable. Well, inevitably, the, the emotional nature yeah, of that. Seven, not always overwhelming. Some people work for. Seven fucking kids. Seven other yeah. kids. That's, that's a lot. To, and especially since, because usually in that I'll work through it. Yeah. It's because there's someone else who's picking up the load. Mm -hmm. Right. But if she's producing the movie as well, mm -hmm. and not executive producer, which in many ways is just right. the title. Right. If she's producer, she's there too. Right. So I can totally see this being a legitimate. Because, you know, there is a cynical side where you could sort of look at it as, oh, this is Warner's gently pushing him to the side and they're using this. Uh, but it 
Yeah, no, it really. I mean, it's it's a sad story. Yep. Yeah, really, and you know, he was one of the nicest interviews that we did. He's back in the day uh, at, yeah. at, at Comic Con. In fact, <laughs> one little bright moment of our we had quite a interesting setup with his interview. That you know, we got there early for our our appointed time. We kept getting pushed back. We got in, and then they kept cutting our interview down while we were trying to do the interview. And this guy actually <laughs> stood up at one point and and said, you know, let him ask their questions. So, you know, it yeah. was really it was really nice of him. In fact, uh, we had like one last question when they were trying to cut us off. He's like, no, no, ask your question, ask your question. <laughs> and, and and Todd was able to get the question, and I barely got it on camera. But uh, it was one of those things that uh, you know he was just he was being very accommodating when the handlers were trying to rush us out of the room so yeah. he was a really good guy yeah. of course it sucked that Todd used that last question as boxers or briefs it's like yeah, Todd, well, you really could have cut to it and no, gotten... no. I asked the questions that people yeah. want to know he actually did he asked he's like you know you got your start in horror would you ever consider doing a horror movie again he goes oh yeah absolutely I love the genre yeah. and that was as much as we were able that to would be cool. as we were getting literally and I mean literally pushed out the door at that so. point was his biggest movie uh, Watchmen Yes, yeah, that was, was that there. was the Watchmen. Uh, in fact, uh, they gave us a free copy of uh, the Blu-ray. Wow, that had just come out and um, was our screener. And uh, I love that movie. You know, it's like yeah. it's funny because like the first handler was super accommodating. He's like, "Oh, if you need any assets, any film clips, etc., just let me know. I'll email them to you or email you some links to our um, our website where we have that for press." And then the other lady was just. Nasty. Like, Who are you? You need to get in. Show what? Okay. Um, well, no. It's, we got she, treated it nasty by a lot of people. It wasn't just Comic-Con. us, though. It was it was other people too. But you know, depending on where you are in the food chain, you know, you like you got three minutes. Okay, now you got a minute and a half. Now you're done. And it's like, wait a minute, we haven't even started recording yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's it's another story for another time. But mm. no, that it, that's that's terrible tragedy for anyone to go through, yeah. and you know. It's, he's doing the right thing, stepping away. Because yeah. he, I mean, he said it perfectly. It's just a movie. Yeah. You know. I wish the best for him and his family. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, let's get all the sad news out. Uh, Sir Roger Moore. Oh. Yes. The man who wore the mantle of James Bond longer than anyone else uh, died of cancer, age 89. It was like 74 to like 83 or something. 73. Like 73. Live and let die. The man with the golden gun, the spy who loved me, Moonraker, for your eyes only, Octopussy, and a view to a kill. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he was—he, I mean, you know, as they say, your first bond is your bond. Yeah. He was my first bond, he, he, by far the goofiest of the bonds. But I, I, but I loved his style of goofiness. It was, it was a, an intense practice aloofness. It was, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. That's eloquent. Like well, it. I mean, it's, it's, it's. There, there are certain personality types that deal with stress in varying ways, and I always took it that his take was. Here's a guy that has to do these impossible jobs all the time, highly stressful, highly, you know, risky jobs, and he's approaching it from that sort of aloofness as a coping mechanism. So that's that's how I always took his interpretation of Bond. And it was a little quirky. That was where we were starting to get into the, you know, the plethora of the gadgets, mm-hmm. you know. It was towards the end of uh, Connery's run. In fact, uh, Diamonds are forever. Why is everybody pulling their phone? I'm, out? I'm holding mine up for okay. the preview thing. I'm not shooting anything. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and that was uh, 
It was sad to hear. And, you know, like you said, it, 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 it's funny. I see a lot of people's comments saying, you know, you know, he may have only been the, the third person to play Bond, but he was my Bond because mm-hmm. he was the Bond that I was, you know, the most exposed to growing up. Right. So. There's a, a story I want to share uh, from uh, Facebook poster Mark Haynes that I, I absolutely fell in love with his story of when he met Roger Moore. All right. I'm going to read directly. As a seven-year-old in about 1983, in the days before first-class lounges at airports, I was with my granddad at Nice Airport and saw Roger Moore sitting at the departure gate reading a paper. I told my granddad I'd just seen James Bond and asked if we could go over and I could get his autograph. My granddad had no idea who James Bond or Roger Moore were, so we walked over and popped me in front of the Roger Moore with the words, My grandson says you're famous. Can you sign this? As charming as you'd expect, Roger asks my name and duly signs the back of my plane ticket, a fulsome note full of best wishes. I'm ecstatic. But as we head back to our seats, I glance down at the signature. It's hard to decipher, but it definitely doesn't say James Bond. My granddad looks at it, half figures it says Roger Moore. I have absolutely no idea who that is, and my heart sinks. (laughs) I tell my granddad he signed it wrong. And then he's put someone else's name. So my granddad heads back to Roger Moore, handing the ticket, which he'd only just signed. Oh, that's great. I remember staying by our seats and my granddad saying, uh, he says you've signed the wrong name. He says your name is James Bond. Roger Moore's face crinkled up with the realization and he beckoned me over. When I was by his knee, he leant, leaned over, looked from side to side, raised an eyebrow and in a hushed voice said to me, I have to sign my name is Roger Moore because otherwise Blofeld might find out I was here. He asked me not to tell anyone that I'd just seen James Bond and he thanked me for keeping his secret. I went back to our seats, my nerves absolutely jangling with delight. My granddad asked me if he signed James Bond. No, I said, I'd gotten it wrong. I was working with James Bond now. Damn. Many, many years later, I was working as a scriptwriter on a recording that involved UNICEF, and Roger Moore was doing a piece to the camera as an ambassador. He was completely lovely, and while the cameramen were setting up, I told him in passing the story of when I met him in Nice Airport. He was happy to hear it, and he had a chuckle, and he said, Well, I don't remember, but I'm glad you got to meet James Bond. (laughs) So that was lovely. And then he did something so brilliant. After the filming, he walked past me in the corridor, heading out to his car. But as he got level, he paused, looked both ways, raised an eyebrow, and in a hushed voice said, Of course I remember our meeting in Nice. But I didn't say anything in there because of those cameramen. Any one of them could be working for Blofeld. (laughs) (laughs) I was delighted at 30 as I had been at 7. Oh, (laughs) man. What a man. What a tremendous man. That's great. That was great. great. I I really liked Daniel Craig's. He he had a picture of himself with uh, Moore at some function or something. And Craig just captioned it with, Nobody did it better. Oh, that's nice. very, that's very nice. lovely. That's really nice. very, very classy. Better than my childhood meeting with uh, one of my uh, idols. Uh oh, what happened to your meeting? Tim uh, Horton punched him. <laughs> no, <laughs> right in the bits. <laughs> but it was a hockey star. <laughs> okay, what happened with your hockey star? Who, who, what, when? Played for the Montreal Canadiens, Rocket Richard, okay. uh, one of the all-time greats of the game. 
I'm following him around. Ten, 10 years old me. Okay. In the arena, he's playing in an old timers game now because you know he's out of the game for many years now. Me and this other kid I didn't know were like, yeah, can we get an autograph? Can I? He's just walking, walking, walking. Stops, turns, get the fuck out of my face. Turns around and walks away. I was like, oh, wow. wow, wow, you weren't even in his face. <laughs> you were in his yeah. butt. So I have, I have like Frank Mahovlich. All you Canadians out there will know these names. Frank Mahovlich. Everyone all signed except that motherfucker. Is the only one blank. And that guy's not Canadian, right? No, he is. What? But, a Canadian uh, was rude? He's from Quebec. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but, well, I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. Matt. Are you sure he said, get the fuck out of my face, or he didn't say some Maurice, heavily accented Maurice French the thing? the Rocket Richard. No, he, he, uh, he said that, and the guy's dead now. Matt. But I can never get that. Matt. What? He had to tell you that. Otherwise, both <laughs> oh, men oh, Okay. Okay. But little 10-year-old me was so mad. Aww. Well, at least you were mad. It would have been a sad story if you'd been oh. crushed or something. You know, Jane Seymour had a really nice tribute to Roger Moore, too. Uh, very much like that story, but just a, it's... If you find it online, folks, read it. It's it's really, really cool, but nice, nice tribute was, to Roger Moore. I was Moore. not a big fan of the Roger Moore, James Bond, but... Um, I always heard good things about him as a person. So well, always, you know, what just, about him well, as a saint? Did, you, did, you, did that work for you? Which what? The saint. It was funny because, like, it's just like what we were talking about earlier. You know, it's you know, you you always remember your first Bond. I when I started catching them, I caught them on TV, usually like on ABC, and you know, of course, they were edited for television, so. You know, watch him on television until they started. Cause it was always it was always the Roger Moore ones. When they started airing the Connery ones, I was like, "Who's this guy?" Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, why did they replace Who's James Bond Jack with off? another guy? Mm. And that was, you know, when I was really young, I didn't realize that Connery and then Lazenby had come. Mm-hmm. In, you see, right now, him. Sean Connery was pinning a nice tribute to Moore, and suddenly he went. Ah, fuck this, and crinkled it up and threw it away. Yeah. Well, Connery was famously critical of Moore's portrayal of Bond I'm in an interview. I'm shocked. No. And uh, <laughs> interestingly, <laughs> Roger Moore, critical of his own performance too, said that uh, Connery and Daniel Craig were the best Bonds, and he placed himself about fourth. He said, "He said it." I'd say right above it was, George Lazenby. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, no. After Lazenby, he said, oh, wow. "He said uh, Sean Connery, Daniel Craig, Lazenby a little bit better than me, and then me." Right now, Pierce Brosnan. That's, that's where he raised. That's where he rated himself in the in the <laughs> grand Timothy scheme Dalton's of things. Like, so. hey, 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 yeah, yeah. hey, remember me? Hey, I did too. I what did the, too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix has greenlit The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. This new series is said to be a prequel to the 1982 cult film The Dark Crystal and will feature a number of fantastical creatures created by the famous Jim Henson's Creature Shop. The original concept designer, Brian Froud, will also return to work on the 10-episode series. Uh, Louis Leterrier, who uh, I guess says The Incredible Hulk, but I don't know what to... He had to do with that. Has signed on to executive produce and direct. As far as writing is concerned, co-executive producers Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews from Life in a Year will head up the writers' room along with Javier Grillo Marksach, who apparently you works probably on. Probably butchered that name. Uh, no, no, it's Marksach. 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 You got to get that. 
It's a Klingon. Phlegm in there. It's a Klingon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's a writer on Lost in the 100. So mm. these are all working on the Dark Crystal. I, I'm, I'm blown away that we're getting another Dark Crystal. Yeah. Especially as a 10-episode series on Netflix. Right. It, was a, it was a fine movie, but it's just... Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm, I am surprised too. I, I lo- it's a movie near and dear to my childhood, right? right. But and to your childhood, yes, yeah. It's and it's it's beautiful. I love the puppetry in it, and I would love to explore that world further. But I never thought I would, right? In fact, when they uh, they announced they were doing a movie years ago, Brian Henson, and that fell through. So Brian Henson announced that it was going to be a comic book series, mm-hmm. Power of the Dark Crystal, and I'm like, well, I guess that's that. All right. So this is just out of left field and very happy. Do you have the um, um, labyrinth news in there? The, with the casting cat, with the news? Because uh, now that you mentioned Brian Froud. The, that is some things I know. that I'm the, I usually don't do casting news unless it's finalized gotcha, or right. they're in negotiation, right. contract negotiation. I, I think the Brian Froud one's pretty solid, which I love. Yeah. The, the fact that he's doing a bunch of the puppetry and he's, he's the baby in the first one. Yeah, and apparently, you know, like I said, it's all falls. What's under his rumor. father's name? No, huh. it's to, no, it's Toby Froud. That's what Toby Froud. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, Toby okay. Froud. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good God. Well, like, like, you made Froud. Todd work on that one. <laughs> it was fun. Got to watch a Gears girl. <laughs> but yeah, the labyrinth stuff. It's all in the rumor category, technically, because yeah. you know the last thing I read is that they were this close to signing Jennifer Connelly. All, although the rumor and they is, had Johnny Depp going to be uh, replacing Bowie as the Goblin no, no, King. No. The rumor is that the yeah. Commander K has cast it. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be Lady, Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah. Hey man, they listen to the show, man. That they do. We're making great things happen for other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're we're cloud warming labyrinth. <laughs> Tom Hardy, uh, actor from The Revenant, Mad Max Fury Road, has signed on to star on the Venom solo spinoff from Sony, which will be directed by Ruben Fleischer, uh, director of Zombieland. The script, written by Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinker, who wrote The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Sony has, uh, already has a release date locked for October 5th, 2018. Along with Venom, Sony has also developed a Silver Sable slack, slash Black Cat spinoff. That's a short turn time, then, if they're, they're looking for just over a year from now. Yeah, very, very short. Uh, although I'm very happy with the casting. Tom Hardy, sure. I think, yeah. is a, a stellar actor. I, I enjoy oh, yeah. him about everything he does. I'm, I'm trying to think of anything he's been in I haven't enjoyed him in. He's been, yeah, he's made movies for me I have no interest in seeing. Yeah. So I just on that casting alone, I'm optimistic. Yeah, and of course my optimism destroyed by the writers of you know, right. Amazing Spider-Man too. Mm-hmm. But you know they balance each other out, I guess. Well, Venom dances a lot. It's like guys, oh, yeah. <laughs> guys, I'm going to write this in. I haven't done this before, but what if Venom fights five guys mm. and we'll have them all at the same time together? I think the audience really connect with that because we haven't done that before. And it's a black, it's a black suit Venom. It's not like Spider-Man. Oh shit! He had a black suit too. Scrap everything. Yeah, just go with the angry jazz tap scene instead. <laughs> and he goes step one, blah, blah, with his tongue lapping. Oh, okay. Mm. Cardio. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Director Sean Levy's Uncharted movie has found its Nathan Drake. Spider-Man: Homecoming star Tom Holland will play a younger version of Nathan Drake. Yep. With plans to build a franchise around him. 
The site also reports that the film is taking its inspiration from the third game in the highly popular Naughty Dog video game franchise, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. The movie will be inspired by a sequence in the game itself that sees the young thief meeting Victor Sully Sullivan, a, prof a professional treasure hunter, fortune seeker, entrepreneur, and Nathan Drake's mentor, father figure, and friend for the first time. The idea came from Sony Pictures chief Tom Rothman, who was apparently inspired by the latest cut of the Spider-Man film. The studio will tap a new writer to draft a storyline based on young Nathan Drake as he grows up to become a treasure hunter. I'm not sure I feel about the tactic of doing kind of a prequel-style story as the first story no. in the Indiana Jones-inspired series. Yeah, I haven't played it. so Very really incredibly cinematic games. Okay. Um, uh, one of the few games you could actually watch somebody play and still be entertained. Yeah, that's, I actually was just going to say that. If you go on YouTube, they have full gameplay mm -hmm. playthroughs where it's literally it's just a movie. And mm. it's so well done. Wow. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I would watch Todd play them just because the story was that compelling. They are really well-researched Indiana Jones-style treasure hunts, every single one of them. And it's, it's, it's Indiana Jones. Yeah. You, you, you said that like, well, I'd watch Todd play it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's because I'd do it naked and who wouldn't watch yeah, okay. that? So. Wow. Wow. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I was I was like, what? You're letting that go by? Because you saw his face. He's like, I got to nope. do this. He I was, cover voice. me. I'm he going was, in. He was trying to decide whether he was going to futz up the joke or not. Nope. <laughs> oh, there, there's no decision making there, Jeff. That's an assumption. George Romero, the 77-year-old filmmaker who spawned the modern zombie age in 19... 68 with his indie film Night of the Living Dead is back. Teaming up with Montreal's Fantasia International Film Festival, Romero will co-write and produce George A. Romero Presents Road of the Dead. A wacky NASCAR meets brain eaters movie What? <laughs> that invents a whole new spectacular sport where zombies get behind the wheel of souped up automobiles for, zombies. The, ple for the pleasure of the wealthy. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, someone's officially gone wow. crazy. Here's the description as told to IndieWire. Quote, the story is set on an island where zombie prisoners race cars in a modern-day coliseum for the entertainment of wealthy humans. Bierman describes the project as Road Warrior meets Roller Bar. Roller Bar. Roller Ball. <laughs> Andy? <laughs> Although I... I I have to admit, roller bar. I think you could do that, Jeff. <laughs> like with spikes and skates and booze. Yeah. And we have a montage of Jeff doing circles and toting a heavy cart montage. behind him. Road Warrior meets rollerball at a NASCAR race with significant inspiration from Ben Hur, unquote. Wow. Uh, directorial and co-writing duties will be performed by Matt Bierman, Romero's friend and collaborator. Bierman was second unit director on Romero's last trio of zombie films, Land of the Dead, which was all right, Diary of the Dead, which I didn't watch, I'm sure heard horrible things about, and Survival of the Dead, which was absolutely terrible. Uh, Romero adamantly bowed out of the zombie game last year when he declared the entire genre dead after the oversaturation of yeah, horror film fare. Yeah, are dead. Mm -hmm. Like and now the, it's now undead. it's undead. Now it's reanimated. <clears throat> of the oversaturation of horror fare like Walking Dead and World War Z. Uh, with nowhere left to take the groaning shufflers, Romero seems to have an epiphany after revisiting Bierman's 10-year-old pitch. 
that contained the insane notion of stuffing zombies into race cars. That's I'd love insane, to hear right. that, the, the pitch for that. Like, all right, NASCAR? No, 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 no. Uh, they're going to do a fishing tournament, Bass Pro, or something. Like, what the fuck is he doing? I, I have no idea. Uh, I, I went to the premiere of uh, Survival of the Dead. It was a Fangoria uh, expo that was here in Las Vegas, the only time they ever all did right, it. yeah. And they were premiering that that night, so I was so excited to see it. And I saw it, and it was terrible. It, it, it's, it was a... What's, what's the name of that two warring families? McCoy, McCoy's and Hatfields, Hatfields kind and of story. They live on this island. They fight against each other. Zombies are in between. And say, isn't this stupid? Uh, is kind of the question the movie asks. And the response is, yes. Yes, it is. The whole thing is stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good movie. And so, but this is just so over the top. I'm like, why the hell not? Why the hell not at this point? Because we are finite and we can't watch everything. So we might as well not watch this. I'll still watch it. It's Romero. <laughs> even, even, though even though it's, you know, I, yeah, I did not see Diary of the Dead because... Well, you got burnt already. You're going to... Yeah. Because wow. I, I still respect the thing the man created. I'm sure this pizza cover with poop won't taste as bad as the first one. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's, it's a whole different color. Baby shit green pizza is not better. <laughs> That's spoken from a man who knows. Oh, yeah. Brandon Cronenberg is set to direct a science fiction film with horror overtones called Dragon. Uh, Cronenberg will also write the movie with Dan Abnett. Oh, it's going to be great. (laughs) A former Marvel Comics scribe who co-created the 2008 version of the Guardians of the Galaxy that provided the template for Marvel Studios films starring that team. Dragon takes place in a near-future society where the discovery of ancient organic life forms drifting through the universe has led to the use of their biochemistry in creating a hugely profitable drug that acts as a so-called opiate of the masses. The Capitalism. Li- the life forms are Religion. known as dragons. Shit. And the story follows the captain of a spacecraft and her crew as they hunt for more of them. Uh, Cronenberg said in a statement, Dragon connects to a certain kind of hallucinogenic sci-fi tradition, like an adaptation of an imagined Philip K. Dick novel. I'm thrilled to be working with Dan Abnett on this, exploring the pleasures of space horror in a satirical and at times psychotic universe, unquote. So the name of the ship is the Equinox Captain Ransom. (laughs) The project is a (laughs) British-Canadian co-production. Oh, it's going to be great. Canadian. All right, I'm on board. And is tentatively scheduled to begin shooting in mid-2018. The producers are already looking at opportunities to extend the story via virtual reality and other content, saying, The world that Brandon and Dan are creating is incredibly rich. There are immense opportunities to continue exploring it. Cronenberg made his feature debut in 2012 with Antiviral, a creepy little film about fans who pay to have themselves injected with the same diseases as their favorite celebrities. That movie... (laughs) which received a limited release, was more in line with the body horror that Brandon's dad explored in his earlier work. Which was my next question. Thank you. Yes, I, I, know, I was going to get to that eventually. So yeah, this is the son of David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. now uh, branching away from the body horror that made his father famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like this idea. This Sure. Yeah. I hope they called the ship the SS Beaver Tail. Oh, uh, yeah. Just so, just so Matt can be like, fuck this. <laughs> This Ontario bullshit. It's funny about the disease thing. Somebody t- 
told the story of John Delancey at a con where he was sick. He was, had the flu. But he made his appearance anyway, and he was like, look, I'm here on the stage. You guys stay out there because I'm sick. But I wanted to do this Q&A with you. I wanted to talk to you, so I'm here, so let's do this. They do it, and he says good, good night, and he's going to go back to his hotel room and feel like he's dying. His water glass is sitting, or bottle, on the stage, half full, where he drank some of his water. And some guy runs up on stage and scoops up the bottle and goes, What am I bid? I have the Q virus right here. Start the bidding. <laughs> and all of a sudden, people started bidding. Oh, man. Somebody won. He paid the guy money. He took the bottle and he drank it down. And he went, I have the Q virus. I'm, f- I'm flabbergasted wow. right now. Yeah. Wow. But that's supposed to be a true anecdote from a wow. con a long time ago. Oh. Yikes and double yikes. Oh, us nerds. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Creepy, scary bunch. <laughs> TNT found a good bit of success in the sci-fi genre with Falling Skies. And now the network is joining with Ridley Scott to develop a whole lot more. Deadline reports the network has teamed up with Scott to develop a new night of original sci-fi programming which will encompass typical hour-long shows as well as short-form programming, all made under Scott's watchful eye. The network's EVP of original programming, Sarah Aubrey, said the network hopes to create shows that are imaginative, awe-inspiring, smart, and sophisticated. Huh, okay. So TNT is creating a sci-fi block night. That'd be cool. So Falling Skies worked really well for them. I really enjoyed Falling Skies right up to the the really compressed final season where they tried to shove way too much wrap up into you know limited number of episodes and, and the tie in with chicken little i thought that was just such yeah. an sure, empty yeah, yeah. callous commercial decision right yeah, chicken of the sea little yeah mm-hmm. you see chicken little mon i got it, that but the chicken of the sea what well there's there's no chicken little food product so i went chicken <laughs> of the sea with the actual food product <laughs> See, I was like, what does see, to do see Andy, Andy picked up the pillow, and he's like, all right, don't move, joke. I'm going to make this as slow as possible. I just got back to my I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to save it, but I killed it. Yeah, that's what you said to the police when they broke in the hospital room. Right, no. I'm, I'm saving this joke. But it joke. was like the beginning of Reanimator, man. I was really, trust me, injecting I'm it with the stuff in the neck, and it was not living. This is my pillow of healing. <laughs> Plus five pillow of healing. Thank you very much. Uh, so what the fuck else do we not give a shit about? Or or is this stuff we're no, carrying? We, we, I've yeah, lost track. Yeah, yeah we did Wicked <laughs> Geek a long time ago. Oh, that's, okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> of course, your your mileage may vary. TNT's upcoming Snor- Snowpiercer TV series. <laughs> Did I say Snorpiercer? Snorpiercer? Snorpiercer. <laughs> That's what it is. I, 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 was, I well, thought it was Snopes Piercer. <laughs> Snowpiercer TV series has tapped Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson to helm the pilot and cast a Hamilton star and Tony Winner in the lead role. The series is based on Bong Joon-ho's 2013 sci-fi movie. Showrunner- you got through Bong Joon-ho without any problem? Oh, Explain that no, to me. Come on, That's, those are easy words. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not even words. And you'll notice I slowed down a little. They're when I hit sounds. <laughs> he was fine. 
Uh, showrunner Josh Friedman, uh, who was the showrunner for Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, will pen the pilot and executive produce alongside Scott Derrickson. Um, also on board the speeding train as executive producer is Bong Joon-ho. The taking place in the post-apocalyptic world, Snowpiercer is set seven years. The original movie took place in 2031 after a new ice age has hit the Earth, which has now become a frozen solid wasteland. The series will center on survivors who inhabit a gigantic, perpetually moving train that circles the globe, where the rich live in the front of the train while the poor are relegated to the tail end, igniting a class warfare. Hamilton David Diggs, who played the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> that is not a version of Hamilton anyone's seen, except for in your fan pick. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm suddenly interested in this musical. <laughs> oh, my brain went way ahead of my reader. <laughs> yeah. How does a bastard child of a sadist and a masochist rise to the world? <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious. It's a Lafayette. Is that yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Lafayette, we are here. <laughs> Marquis de Saint, we are here. Uh, Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, which nabbed him a Tony Award, will top line the series as Leighton Well, the character who is described as a prisoner barely surviving the harsh conditions on the tail end of the train. A quiet thinker who spends his days sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Andy, now I agree with you. I'm amazed he made it through uh, Bon Chung Ho. Ho. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My brain is just broken. <laughs> so he spends his days. Sniffing. <laughs> sniffing. That's it, period? Just sniffing. Well, he's got a cold. He's got the Q virus. Yeah, really. <laughs> I can't continue. <laughs> <laughs> he spends his days sniffing. <laughs> the industrial waste. <laughs> oh, sound it out. <laughs> Show us on the Andy where he touched you. <laughs> uh, you getting this, Andy? You're oh, I get this? some of it. I'm okay, good. pieces. <laughs> tears, folks. Those oh. are tears. <laughs> My abdomen hurts so much. Should have climbed on the roof of your car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I think I can get through it. All right. Sniffing. <laughs> You're not helping. I'm not trying to. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Breathe for a few seconds. <laughs> I can't even find the damn story. <laughs> Look for sniffing. Oh, there it is. Spends his days. <laughs> wow. Oh God. This is great. <laughs> you can do it with a plus five pillow, baby. Uh, Kirsten, I've marked the spot. Please read it. 
Oh boy. Oh, oh I see. Okay. <laughs> a quiet thinker who spends his days sniffing the industrial waste turned drug chronol. Chronol? Or is it chronole? All right, see? All right, Chrono. And tending to his cage full of rats, Leighton becomes a reluctant participant in a struggle that could upend life on the train. Sniffing the... Well, it's funny because it's like (laughs) sniffing the industrial waste. Looks like he picked the wrong (laughs) waste to quit sniffing industrial waste. Yeah. Oh, That's God. great. All right. Put that up, Andy. Oh, I'm, I'm working on it. It's going up. <laughs> <laughs> under, under the title, I think we broke Todd. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. This calls from Red, red Light, Green Light. Oh, my Yay. Which is what I was trying to shoot. The, I was trying to shoot the... Red Light, Green Light start, but that's much better. <clears throat> oh, yeah. No. We're going to lead with that. All right, red light, green light. I have thus cast these gentlemen as heads of studio. I'm going to pitch shows that are actually in development, and they're going to say whether or not they red light or green light them. Again, these are shows going forward. We have no input. We can't really stop it. No. We don't control the horizontal. We got a lot today? How many we got? We have more than we'll be able to do on this show. Okay. Okay. This is this. There's a lot. All right, so th- we'll go ahead and start it in red light, green light, gentlemen. Netflix has announced they're going to develop an English-speaking drama series based on Polish writer Andrzej Sapkowski's The Witcher fantasy book series. Green light. Spearheading the Netflix series as executive producer are Sean Daniel, behind the Mummy franchise, I think the last one, uh, the, and Jason Brown, also a producer of The Expanse. The oh, f- green light. Uh, the Fallen's Tomek, also called Tom Az Baginski, and Jarek Sako from Polish Productions and visual effects company Platige Image will also executive produce, while Sapkowski will serve as creative consultant on the series. Sapkowski's eight novels and various stories, which were translated into 20 languages, also spawned CD Projekt Red's highly popular The Witcher video game franchise. Here's what Sapkowski said. I'm thrilled that Netflix will be doing that. T- an ad- <laughs> <laughs> you want me to read the news? <laughs> an, adaptation, an adaptation of my stories, staying true to the source material and the themes that I've spent over 30 years writing. I'm excited about our efforts together, as well as the team assembled to shepherd these characters to life. Uh, the Witcher saga follows witchers, who are described as hunters who develop supernatural abilities at a young age to battle deadly monsters. Netflix bag, bagged, bagged, bag, <laughs> why do I use these? He is broken. Bagged Baginski. Ross Bagnasarian. Who actually directed the intro videos for all three The Witcher video games to helm at least one episode of the fantasy series per season. Now, I'm glad you read that because the article I saw was Netflix to adapt video game series. The Witcher. What? Yeah, and <clears throat> and they uh, they like downplayed uh, Andrzej Sapkowski's uh, series itself, the books itself. Okay. I read the first two books. They're they're pretty good. It's uh, it it's kind of D and D fantasy 
like in in terms of world presentation, the way it treats elves and dwarves and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a fun little adventure series. So and I like the twists on morality that it uh, has in there, where you think it's going one way and it usually twists into another. Right. Yeah. And they they the the first two books at least there was a lot of that. He was. Uh, uh, Geralt, Geralt, I can't, I, I don't think it's know. it's Geralt. The, okay, Geralt, uh, he, um, <clears throat> he's constantly questioning shit as, uh, through, the, through the first two books that I read, so. <clears throat> but pretty cool, so. I'm going to greenlight that. All right. I like it. The Expanse, part of it, too. I, I love that show. But uh, the games were fun. I watched uh, a buddy play it. I never played it, but I mean. Did he play it naked? <laughs> Yeah, really. Was I don't it? know what you two are doing here <laughs> on that couch that Kay is sitting on. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I can't really He move. has his side. <laughs> I have my side. <laughs> are you stuck, sir? <laughs> Just Man. don't run a black white over it. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, I second that. It'll up. look like a My Little Pony. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> green light. Um, I'll, yeah, I was going to say, I'll green light it. Um, I don't really know as much about the books or the video game series, but I really like the pedigree behind it, so... Yeah, I'll get her. I'll get her the green light. Yeah, green, I know I'm, the game. I know the games are very popular with a lot of people. So. I'm green lighting it based on the enthusiasm from these two. <clears throat> I believe in them. All right, green lit on The Witcher. There you go. So <clears throat> let's try another one. This one's being developed for sci-fi. Sci-fi. Night Flyers. This project currently in development, based on George R. R. Martin's supernatural thriller of the same name. The story is set in the future on the eve of Earth's destruction, as a crew of explorers journey on the most advanced ship in the galaxy, the Night Flyer, to intercept a mysterious alien spacecraft that might hold the key to their survival. As the crew nears their destination, they discover that the ship's artificial intelligence and never-seen captain may be steering them into deadly and unspeakable horrors deep in the reaches of space. The series is being developed by producers Gene Klein, behind Suits, David Bartis, me and Mr. Mrs. Smith, and Doug Lyman, also of Suits. With that one, I get like an Event Horizon vibe. Perhaps. I don't know much beyond Something. that about Night Flyers. That would have been, for me, uh, I was thinking Event Horizon with that earlier thing he was talking about, the psychedelic. Now, I do believe that this is not an ongoing series. I believe this is being developed as a miniseries to adapt the novel. Cool. Okay. I would green light simply because... Martin was actually a bona fide uh, science fiction writer. Science fiction, <clears throat> not just fantasy, writer long before Game of Thrones. So anything that brings that up. So this is one of his it. older works then? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did he finish writing this one? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Seriously, he did, right? So I'll green light it if he has. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I think it's just a single story. Yeah. Okay. And you sneaking up with that pillow. <laughs> I ain't uh, sneaking anymore, baby. Yeah, green, green light. <laughs> I'm green swinging it over my head, both hands. Lighted. Then he tripped over the IV line. He, <laughs> God, you're not allowed in hospitals, right, Andy? No. Okay. No, that's pretty At least much not standard. Not for care. 90 days, but he <laughs> likes to be a hospital criminal. As he walks by each room, you hear, shame. <laughs> shame. <laughs> shame. NBC has tapped Carol Mendelson from CSI. Mm -hmm. and Carolyn Dries of The Vampire Diaries to adapt Mark Silvestri's Top Cow comic book series, Witchblade. Currently in development with script commitment, Dries will write and executive produce the new series along with her fellow Vampire Diaries writer, Brian Young. Here's the official show description. 
based on the graphic novel of the same name, the Sony Pictures television drama centers on homicide detective Sarah Pezzini, who is on the hunt for an elusive serial killer and must navigate the grisly streets and police politics of San Francisco's Mission District. Until one day, the bracelet she has worn her entire life gives her supernatural insight into a crime she's trying to solve. Her bracelet is the Witchblade, an amulet that has been worn by remarkable women throughout history, and Sarah is next in line. Top Cow's founder, owner, Mark Silvestri, and Matt Hawkins will executive produce the series. TNT initially adapted the book with Yancey Butler in the lead, airing two seasons from 2001 I was going to ask about that, yeah. So this has already been tried once, but they're aiming again for Witchblade. And they canceled the original? or like After two seasons. Yeah, after two, two seasons, seasons they canceled it, yeah. Um. Yeah. Why Getting not? A, gonna give it another shot. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Green light. Special effects are better now. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Andy got me there. Is the I special mean, I effects liked, that brought you in? I liked the premise of the comic book, and you know, I think I saw a couple of episodes of the uh, the series back in the early two thousands, and uh, I thought it had a lot of potential. But you know, I think that was right where TNT was just kind of starting to dabble with original programming and especially with the fantasy and the sci-fi stuff they really were still finding their footing and I really they've gotten cons- a lot better now so with I, their original series so i do consider that kind of the dark days of fantasy sci-fi television series it's that whole when yeah the effects were not good and the writing wasn't great either in a lot of these that like this mantis and step forward from night rider yes yeah definitely mm-hmm. It's had its own charms, but yeah, I guess these you could say these did too. But mm-hmm. they had a, a real campiness to them that seemed to be influenced from like Xena, perhaps. Okay, sure. But uh, so there's a green light from. Uh, how about you, Matt? I don't know enough about the project, so red light. Oh, oh wow. all right. Wow, like a true Hollywood producer. Exactly. Still <clears throat> green lit, but with one but off, tainted. just in case it fails, you save your job. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'll look like the genius when it does fail. <laughs> well, here's one people have been waiting for. Robert Jordan's fantasy epic, The Wheel of Time. Oh, goodness, yeah. Has now landed at Sony Pictures Television, which produces Outlander on Stars, with Rafi, Raf Judkins tapped to write and executive produce the high fantasy series. Judkins got geek cred, having worked on genre shows such as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hemlock Grove, and Chuck. Uh, Jordan's widow, Harriet McDougal, will serve as consulting producer. The TV series will be based on the 14 novels that make up the Wheel of Time saga written by the late Robert Jordan under the pen name of James O. Rigney Jr. Yeah, other way around. That's what I said. Okay. Uh, starting with the Eye of the World <laughs> in 1990 and ending, ending with A Memory of Light, which was published after Jordan had passed away in 2007, finished by Brandon Sanderson. The story follows the, quote, quest to find the dragon reborn, who it is said will help unite forces to combat the Dark One, unquote. Since Game of Thrones will be coming to a close next year, uh, Sony has its eye on filling the massive fantasy void that will be left when the critically acclaimed HBO fantasy series ends in 2018. Not knowing where it's going, but Robert Jordan's 14 novel massive epic, what do you say? It's done. So you got that going for it. There is that. Fourteen. Those are some. And those are yeah, they're massive novels. Those are some. That that's like one the beginning of the bullet stopper uh, fantasy <laughs> series where each each book 
Eight hundred pages plus. That's the small ones. Eight hundred yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they're they're. I remember uh, the shortest book, Eye of the World, which is the first book came out, and I was holding it and like, wow, this is like one of the biggest paperbacks I've ever held in my life. Getting your money's worth. And it's it's small. Mm. Yeah, in comparison to the others. Yeah. I oh. mean, it, it's it's <clears throat> this is the series that should have been the Game of Thrones because this this was big, sweeping in scope, and you just get your effects right because it's going to be a lot more magic, a lot more overt magic than Game of Thrones. So it's not <clears throat> not going to be this downplayed, uh, gritty, realistic type of thing. It will actually be pretty different. It's grim because there's a lot of, lot of shit that goes on in the series. Uh, my concern is actually opposite of Game of Thrones. It is a long motherfucker. So uh, how they... But you're in. You're engaged to do a massive... I mean, is Jesus it as, Christ. Is Seasons it as rapey and castrated as Game of Thrones? No. Okay. No. It, it, <clears throat> it's really funny. It doesn't get sexual, but <clears throat> there is at least um, one culture that comes in later in the series called the Sonchan, where they actually enslave people who can do what is essentially magic in that universe. Mm. And it is a very servile, very kind of degrading slavery. Mm. So there is there is that subject to touch on. But no, it is it is not a song of rape and nipples. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> but um it's really it, it it it'll be interesting. But it is it's a lot more flash and dazzle magic. Uh, okay. Than Game of Thrones, than than most actually most fantasy series. So and, and this is the production company that does work with stars, so stars probably will have like a first chance to bid on it. Okay. Well, once again, you've talked me into it. I, I was kind of out of, out of it when uh, the last line of there, which was like five tropes stapled together into one sentence. Yeah. But uh, not the it, best descriptive sentence. It is, and I can I could make a few cracks about. Jordan's writing because mm-hmm. there, there he does have a few quirks and it gets a little. Um, I I would make jokes as about, a reader. I'm curious of where this because uh, I haven't read uh, this yet. Yeah, uh, telekinetic spankings with hairbrushes. Oh, what? So the fuck? It, it's, <laughs> it's doesn't get sexual. He says. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's completely it's, non-sexual spanking. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, it, it's really funny because it's that's like. All right, in this world. Um, there is something called the power, the source, and there is a male aspect and a female aspect. And long ago, in the big-ass war against the Dark Lord dude, the male half got tainted, and men who use the power go bonzo. The Dragon Reborn is going to be the one who can actually break that taint or at least not be affected by it. Definitely need that taint break. The females can use it doesn't get sexual and in this world they're the uh oh, i forget exactly how it's pronounced the Aes Sedai, who actually use the power and they use it for the good guard against the dark one and all that good stuff so there can be one aspect of Only like one. initiate um discipline will literally be like uh, the 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 alkalites the the apprentice girls who misbehave a telekinetic spanking with a hairbrush is like one of the forms of discipline. And it, it was really funny because I eventually, I actually petered out reading the novels and I kind of forced myself back into it because of silliness like that. Jordan got a little silly. You've read all 14? 
uh, not all 14. I actually did cop out and Wikipedia a couple middle ones before I finished it off. Because oh, wow. he, That's the thing he, you do a fairly often, it turns out. Well, he, Shame. He actually Shame. fell into, Shame. I felt, he fell into repetition. One of the things that might save the fact that it's a 14-novel series that they're trying to make short is he actually does kind of in the... the Let's say the third quarter of the series, if you divide it into quarters, he gets kind of repetitious in his stories. He's very much like Jordan in terms of multiple points of view, going every fucking where. Oh, it's really Fuck culturally <laughs> diverse. He does a little more simplistic take than Martin. Um, but I, I personally think the flash and dazzle of the magic will make up for it. Hmm. So, um, but yeah. Uh, if you if you go looking for it online, you'll find comments about tugging on braids, because that's another thing. A lot of the women, when they're fretting about something, she tugged on her braid. Oh, I see. You yeah. know, and one of the favorite uh, comments is when they're in a fit of pique. She crossed her arms under her breasts, because you know, I guess women do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, yeah. Sounds like a sexually says. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no, no rape and nipples. I don't think there's nary a nipple oh. in 14 books, which is like 50,000 pages. Or, I yet don't know. yet another t shirt. Nary a nipple in 14 books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it is, it is big time flashing. It is cracking the world open big time in, into the world shit and stuff like that. So I'll give a cautious green light. Only because of the whole you 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 had me there for a little bit and then you lost me when you said like multiple points of views. I've already been burnt by a series like that. But so the so. telekinetic spanking brought right back up. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Wappity so. wappity wappity. Dare I say tugging on my braid greens? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff. Uh, All that talking, I didn't convince you. I, yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm with Matt. I'll give it a cautionary green light. All right. It's very expensive. It's yeah. Gonna, Trust me. We throw the money show. into it. It'll be done well. <laughs> or something. All right. I, you already I, gave I, the green He already greened yeah, it. Okay. Another green? Talk me into it. All right, gentlemen. I have a feeling I know where this one will go, but let's see. Red light. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, damn it. I am Global Television, and I'm proud of it. And British games developer and publisher Rebellion have just joined forces to create a live-action TV series titled Judge Dread Mega City 1 with I am Global President oh, Mark Stern, yeah. uh, who's uh, part of Battlestar Galactica, Helix, Defiance, attached to executive produce alongside CEO Stuart Ford and Re Rebellion's Jason and Chris Kingsley. The Kingsley brothers, are, as well as Stuart Ford, were executive producers on the 2012 Dread film starring Carl Urban. Here's a description of Judge Dread, Mega City One. The show is set in a future where the east coast of the U.S. has become a crowded, crime-ridden megalopolis. It will be an ensemble drama about a team of judges, futuristic cops invested with the power to be judge, jury, and executioner as they deal with the challenges the future shocked 22nd century throws at them. Judge Dread Mega City. Obviously, we've seen they can be done very well and very badly. Um, I am the law. Yeah. Now, the producers of this one the are the law. ones that did the good one. Then I'm in. 
I knew yeah, you'd say that. Say, I am. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say uh, the the one with Carl Urban was really good. He, in fact, he's even said he would love to do a sequel yeah. to it. And sure, I know word whether he will be involved. And they right. kind of right, up right. in the air on. This. They got to keep in mind that this is a satire. This is a dark parody yeah. of of American culture. And so, as long as they keep that in there, it's going to be great. You lost me on that one. Red, no, sorry. <laughs> green, I green. Yeah, he's as well. really sensitive to the parody of American mm. culture. They make fun of Canadian culture. The Keith Urban, Judge Red, one of my favorite movies, so I'm going to green light it. Yeah, Keith uh, Urban. Oh, green, green light. <laughs> wow. <Keith> Urban, <laughs> oh, fuck Todd. Wow. Y'all are guilty. Pew, <laughs> pew. I am the law. Carl Urban, whoops. I am the law and the law won. <laughs> Just a I meant Carl Urban, god damn it. <laughs> Every goddamn American looks the same to Canada. <laughs> Uh, let's keep this going. Oh, okay. Hulu service has handed out a pilot order to the popular Joe Hill property with Carlton Coos to serve as showrunner for Lock and Key. Yep. Lock and Key is a horror fantasy series that revolves around three siblings who, after the gruesome murder of their father, move to the ancestral home in Maine, only to find the house has magical keys that give them a vast array of powers. Little do they know a devious demon who wants the keys... We'll stop at nothing to attain them. Hill will pen the script for the hour-long pilot. Uh, Coos, Carlton Coos, uh, from Lost, Bates Motel, The Strain, uh, Jack Ryan, will executive produce alongside Scott Derrickson, uh, Doctor Strange director, and Lindsay Springer. Uh, Coos will serve as showrunner, while Derrickson will direct the ID Comics, IDW Comics drama. Uh, IDW packaged the project with the goal of securing a straight-to-series order for the property. The package was taken out to bidders, including Netflix, HBO, and FX. Uh, Fox previously attempted to bring the comic to life in 2010-11 to 11 broadcast season with Josh Friedman penning the script. The fan-favorite project was passed over. It was eventually screened at a one-off at Comic-Con 2014. Uh, it's a great plume, I might add. So Joe Hill, also writing the pilot, at least. Lock and key, what do you say? There's... Yeah, I've heard nothing but good stuff about this this show, this uh, this uh, book or yeah, graphic yeah, novel yeah, series. Yeah. Uh, it, I've not read it, but I know a lot of people that like it. So yeah, I'll give it a green light. Yeah, green light. Same. At Joe Hill, he's he's almost like an, another Stephen King. Yeah, I know. So. Weird. <laughs> weird. See, he's like a young Stephen King. Yeah, really. Yeah. It's weird. Without the without the coke and and, and alcohol <laughs> and the van accident. Well, that's not a young Stephen. Wow. wow. You had to go there? Really? Man. That Chevy pillow. <laughs> I tell you what. Hulu and the King family are are just are becoming attached at the hip. It seems is, like is, everything, like Mr. Mercedes, that's coming to Hulu. Mm. Um, the uh, JFK time travel story, eleven twenty seven. What's happened Leonard on? Uh, that, what's that? What was happened Leonard on? Happen Leonard is not a Stephen King or Joe Hill. That's a Joe. Oh, Lansdale. you're right. That's right. That's Joe Lansdale. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> and that's I believe that's on uh, Sundance. If Sundance. You, yeah. But uh, but yeah, everything that's King that isn't movie seems to be going to Hulu. So Hulu is very. I want to say Hulu is trying very hard to get my money. That's what they're doing. <laughs> this is this is just on me. Yeah, they had a couple documentary series they advertised 
they got that Batman online. one. Yeah, uh, the Becoming Bond uh, documentary Is that's that coming the, up. That's the Lazenby one, right? That's, uh, yeah, it's the um, that's a Hulu documentary. Damn it! They okay. had this big Fine, long list. Hulu, I will buy you. Reverse it back. You said Batman. There goes a Batman documentary. Yes, that, yeah. that's fi- that focuses on fingers work on okay on Batman as the now the man behind Mister Kane. Get fucking Hulu. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, I was just reading this list of doc- upcoming documentaries, and I was like. Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. I was like, damn it. These are all ones that I want to see, but they're on Hulu. I, I think I'll just bite the bullet. <sighs> break down. Yeah. Break Aww. down. Hulu's just too good now. Hulu? They're, they're good, doing really good stuff. What's it, what's it run about? Probably like 10 bucks, 10 a, bucks month. a month. Same yeah. as Netflix. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's another thing to subscribe sure. to. And, and adds a whole nother set of choices to yeah. already like, things I can't choose between. It's like, all right, where do I divide my time now? <laughs> But if they have the king verse, I have to go where my king goes. They should just change their name to king verse or hill king. Then they would have had my money ages ago. King of the hill. No, no stop no. right now. Stop right now. Well, now you see, you well, we go into, well. No, I'm not done. Let's do another one. Oh, yeah! yeah. We're out of control, folks. Red light, green light. Netflix announced a new series they were developing called Kingdom. This is a Korean period zombie thriller being directed by Kim Song-hoon, who did Tunnel, which I'm not familiar with. I got that right, damn it. That is correct. <laughs> so you can pronounce I can do Korean names. names. I'm too good at Korean yeah. names. Not Asian names, Korean names. Korean names. I Just Korean. fail at Japan. Okay. The story is set in Korea's medieval period and follows a crown prince who is sent on, quote, a suicide mission to investigate a mysterious outbreak that leads him to a brutal truth that threatens the kingdom, unquote. I'm going to guess it's a zombie thing. There will be eight episodes total, and they will premiere exclusively on Netflix sometime in 2018. Green light. Kingdom. Green light. Anybody else? Want, yeah, want doesn't make me very excited. No, I'm, 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 I'm gonna not gonna lie. It does not does even not that, excite it, not me. It's, it's a period piece. It doesn't excite me huh. in the slightest. And I don't know if it's I'm just zombie burnout or what. But uh, all right, I think I'm we have red I'm, I'm green lighting. I think we have. I think we have our split. Yeah, I got a red. Have a split. <laughs> yeah, two and two. Uh, Renee, you get to uh, break the split. No. <laughs> <laughs> Red light or green light? Green light. Green light. Yeah! Yes! Yeah. 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 I like the cut of her jib. God damn it. Damn straight, baby. <laughs> oh. Way to support your man. Wow. <laughs> Do we have time for one more? That yes. was so quick. That was so quick. All right. How about this one? Okay. Mar Vista Entertainment and I Am Global Television, and I'm not stopping. <laughs> have teamed up for Kong, King Kong Skull Island. Green light. Which is described as a serialized contemporary continuation of the classic with a female-led multicultural ensemble that de- delves into the wonders and horrors of Skull Island and its origins, unquote. Penned by executive produced by Jonathan Penner and Stacey Title, uh, both from The Bye Bye Man. Uh, the series will be based on Marion C. Cooper's King Kong, and artist Joe DeVito's artworks, Skull Island, mean the TV project won't be related to this year's Kong Skull Island movie. Red light. Instead, it will be a sequel to the original 1933 black and white film starring Fay Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Green light. No, I'll green light it. Yeah, I'd green that one. Yeah, that sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And it's interesting, too, because uh, when I was at Universal Orlando, they have a their version of Kong is called Skull Island Reign of Kong. And the 
main characters in that ride are both female. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I wonder if it has something to do with, you know, either either being inspired by that, you know, story for, written for that ride or if it's Is a separate Kong thing. Is public domain Or if now? it's vice versa, the ride was inspired by the other story. What's it, that? Is the original King Kong movie? Is that in the character Kong? Is it public domain now? I either Kong is owned by Universal, which means it's owned forever right. by Universal. Well, eventually characters get lose their copyright. Yeah, you tell that to Disney. Yeah. Disney, I know, right? <laughs> the mouse will keep that from ever happening. Uh, right? uh, Disney. Andy says that eventually. Andy, who? <laughs> oh God! Oh God! I just killed Andy! Oh God! How would you kill Andy? Write to us. Comments at com <laughs> With a pillow. <laughs> Very slowly. Walt punches the glass case. <laughs> and until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. A very cautious fact-checked Andy watching his back now. <laughs> Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Dude, you don't press the pillow against the back of the head. You'll see it coming. Unless you do it really hard. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I guess that works. Oh, and there's a gun on the other side. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. Then, then why is the pillow? Oh, silence. silence. You know, yeah. yeah. Discount. Yeah. That's a ghetto silencer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> silence, just like that part right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like to point out I didn't bring the pillow to this fight. And there comes the pillow again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. ah, man, you, you were poised. You were poised and ready, Torgo. Ended on a high note. And there comes Andy with that basso profundo. <laughs> that's a kind of pillow? No, that's the opposite of a high note. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>